We are excited to get into the gospel yes. for this week of uh, the second Sunday after Epiphany. In the Gospel of John, uh, again, no, Matthew last week. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. The go- yeah, most of, most of my editing is remembering what gospel we did <laughs> and our doing it. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I am Laura Sheridan Campbell, the Outgoing Director of Transition and Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Outgoing. It's so sad. No. Well, welcome everybody back to the Faith to Go podcast for this second Sunday, the week of the second Sunday after Epiphany, uh, Sunday, January 19th and the week after. We are excited to have Laura Sheridan Campbell on the podcast. Uh, And thanks, Laura, for being here. Thank you. We're so excited. Uh, Laura has been uh, a, a huge supporter of all of the Faith to Go efforts as a diocesan staff person uh, since we've been doing it yes, for a long and, time. And Laura also is integral to the fact that it has moved over to be yep. a diocesan-wide offering. That's right. Without her support and encouragement, that wouldn't have come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, having said that, would you share a little bit more about your ministry context with everybody? I'd love to. Um, since November 2018, uh, I the two focal points of my ministry with our diocese Uh, have been transition and formation. So for transition, I have helped shepherd all churches in our diocese uh, who are in transition between clergy leaders. Mm -hmm. And there have been a total of 15 of those. Wow. And eight are resolved uh, very well, very positively. And... Also for transition, clergy transitions are very important. Supporting all of our clergy, but especially those who are in any kind of transition. And for formation, uh, it has been a real pleasure to be the rector of our local theological school for ministry. And also just to support formation, faith formation at all age levels. So I've gotten to work closely with both of you Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. regard. And I'm outgoing and passing the baton to our new canon to the ordinary, Mm -hmm. the Reverend Gwen Lynch, and for the Rector of School for Ministry to um, the Reverend Pam Rieger, who will, who I guess now is the venerable Pam Rieger (laughs) as our Archdeacon. And my husband and I are moving to Ashland, Oregon, to a home that we've owned there for uh, over 10 years. And so this next chapter of our lives will be um, a little quieter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am interested in um, seeking God's will for my life in the next chapter of my vocation. I want to say before we go further that I am so grateful to you both for all that you have done to make a dream come true. And that dream is a digital website and resource for our diocese. Mm. 
And the website, just to put it out there again, <laughs> is discipleshipedsd.org. And a big shout out also to the Reverend Hannah Wilder, who has yeah. been amazing in that. Mm-hmm. And um, for keeping faith to go a really vibrant resource for many people across the world. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory that you put young people in charge of things and get out of the way. And a year ago, we could not have imagined even then that this would have come to fruition, mm-hmm. and it has. Yeah. So I leave with a grateful heart for all that has already been accomplished, and I will cheer you on from Southern Oregon. Mm. And, and maybe she'll call in. <laughs> yes, the magic. I'd love to call in. The magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably be visiting a winery um, while I cheer you on, <laughs> because there are many of those in the Rogue River Valley. Perfect. Well, and now I'm thinking that we should do a remote. <laughs> <laughs> recording. From, yes, remote recording, yeah. so that we can be cheered on in person yeah. from the winery. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you for all of your support and everything we've been doing here. Uh, young people are great as long as there are wise elders to lead them and remind them of their intention. So thank you. Thank you. Um, we also would love to know, in the last week, where have you seen God moving in the world in your life? Um Uniquely, I would answer this question by pointing to our diocesan staff. Mm. We are in a time of transition, as three of us have or will depart, have departed or will depart, and three new members are coming Mm -hmm. in. And um, Bishop Susan is amazing. She's a phenomenal leader. And I would just say that I have seen Jesus in the relationships between our staff members. Mm -hmm. And in the diocese at large, you don't always think about this or um, get to witness the relationships uh, between, you know, people in the diocese at that level. But it, it is remarkable to witness the kindness, the love, the care, um, and, the welcome mm-hmm. that is extended to the new members like Gwen and Chris and Christian who will join us in a few weeks. So I've seen Christ in Bishop Susan's deep care through this mm. transition and the way that we are saying goodbye and hello and honoring each other amidst all of this transition. And Charlotte is part of our staff, so... Um, I'm grateful for all of our colleagues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lots of transition going on out here in San Diego. Okay. Well, thank you again for being here. We are excited to get into the gospel yes. for this week of uh, the second Sunday after Epiphany. So we're in the gospel of John this week. Um, but before we get into it, we want you to know that we want to hear from you. Uh, make sure to check out our faith to go website, www.myfaith2go.org. You can contact us through that with any questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion. Make sure to also check out the discipleshipedsd.org for the year of the way of love and discipleship in 2020 that we're doing out here in San Diego. That's available for anybody. You have to have a computer and internet access. 
Yes. So, Small requirement. Yeah. And um, you can also contact us uh, via email, faith2go at edsd.org, or you can contact us through Instagram at faith2go. So let's get into the gospel, but first we need to hear it. So Charlotte is going to read the gospel for this Sunday, January 19th, which is John 1, 29 through 42. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, He exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas. All right. So we are... Uh, getting a little bit deeper into John's gospel, back a couple weeks ago, we heard the opening verses of the gospel of John, what you might call the prologue to John. In the beginning of the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, all of that. Now we're getting into the story part of John's gospel, and John has a few more lines in uh, the gospel of John than in the other gospels. Uh, so there's a little bit more interaction happening. This interaction doesn't happen in the other gospels. Usually Jesus goes right out to the wilderness. Um, but in John's gospel, we're, we're getting this uh, back and forth between John and John's disciples and Jesus and kind of this whole interesting conversation taking place. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about that conversation. So I have the first point for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my point comes from the very first uh, verse. Uh, and it is John's kind of op- opening declaration uh, after the baptism. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I, that, that um, idea really jumped out to me today, what it means to take away the sin of the world. And the, thing, the other thing that jumped out is the, the Greek behind this translation of this verse. And so one, one way we think about this idea of, we say this a lot, it's actually in our liturgy, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. It's in our uh, fraction anthem. If you go to a, an Episcopal church or a Catholic church or a liturgical tradition, um, 
you'll hear this on Sundays, Sunday morning sometimes during the Eucharist. Uh, but the idea always seems to be like, here's this, this is kind of like a, a classic atonement theology. Is like, here's this person, here's this, this Messiah, Jesus, who's here to take away all these, this like collection of bad things that we've all done, and then they're gone when he dies. But I'm interested in this verse because it, it gives us kind of like an alternative way of thinking about kind of an ongo- the ongoing work of, of what Jesus might be doing still. Because, number one, uh, the, the verb for take away is, is actually a word that could be translated as like raise up. Because the implication being, if you're going to take something away from somebody or take something away that's sitting there, mm-hmm. you got to go pick it up and then you walk away. Mm. But the actual kind of thrust of the verb is raising, raising up. It's like the actual raising up of the object. And this um, this verb is kind of is a present participle, so it's like a gerund. So when we say it's like who is the Lamb of God who is taking away the sins of the world. So it's a, kind of an ongoing, mm-hmm. active action. So it's like Jesus is, if we think about it in a different way, Jesus is showing us kind of how we can continue his work in the world. If his work, if his kind of prophetic and ongoing work was raising up the sins of the world, it's not so much to remove them. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that might, maybe that's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. But the process for doing that is by lifting them up so that we can all see them. Right. And so this is kind of a prophetic action that did not stop with Jesus because even this week we're going to talk about Martin Luther King and his, his kind of like national day of celebration. Uh, he does actually have a, like a saint's, a martyr's day, which is uh, later in the year. But um, this, the Monday of this week we'll celebrate Martin Luther King and and he was a person like Jesus who raised up the sins of the world and said, these are the sins of the world today. It's this equality. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the sad and frustrating thing is that the, the sins of the world that Martin Luther King lifted up and raised up, which he died for, are this, almost the exact same ones that Jesus did. Different context, different time. But if you look at what Jesus what Jesus' teaching was all about, what his whole life was about. It was kind of this infinite, eternal equality and equity and justice in the kingdom of God. That everything he talked about in terms of money or privilege or any of these things was all about leveling the playing field. It was about the flow of resources. It was about everybody having enough and giving what they needed, what someone giving to other people what they needed and receiving what they needed. So... It's like the sin of the world that Jesus died because of lifting up was that inequality. It was oppression. It was, you know, the, the absence of freedom. And, and so it's like Jesus became on the cross this kind of like perfect mirror for society. He was like the mirror of the culture. The people looked up and they saw the sins of the world like he, his death was the product of the sin of the world. It was it was an inability of the 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 kind of oppressive dominant members of the culture to listen and respond to equality, to a call for equality, in the exact same way that Martin Luther King died and lived. So that I think is our call 
ongoing and forever, you know. So. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point number two is Laura's. I, I'm next. Mm-hmm. Um, this is humbling to sit with you. Um, I loved sitting with this gospel for the last few days and just fresh, you know, fresh to my eyes. Mm. What occurred to me is the number of verbs that mm. refer to John mm-hmm. the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that he and Jesus were cousins. So even though we don't know for sure, I'm guessing this is not the first time they have met. I'm mm-hmm. thinking that they had some kind of familial relationship that predated this. And so how amazing is it that he is the herald, he is the mm-hmm. messenger, and every time he sees Jesus, encounters him, or sees him in the presence of others, he simply says, look, this is what I see. Mm-hmm. And then he exclaims and interprets what he's seeing as this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes in especially the Episcopal Church, which is the circle we run in, um, that E word, evangelism, can be so intimidating because we somehow think we have to be theologians or we make it way too complex. Mm -hmm. If we follow John the Baptist's lead, what we're really being asked to do as disciples, as witnesses, is to say what we saw. Mm -hmm to bear witness, to be witnesses. And that's, I love the part of your podcast where you say, where have you seen Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, it literally means the same thing it did, I think, for John. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in John's gospel, this idea of sight and blindness is so central mm-hmm. to um, John the Evangelist's mm-hmm. interpretation of Jesus. But as we go on in the gospel, we just see as John watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. And then he says it to the two people mm-hmm. he's with. And I love Jesus' response, like three words I love in all of the Bible. Mm-hmm. When they, like, who is he? And where does he come from? And Jesus just says, come and see. I love that too. Mm-hmm. And if we could live in a more come and see world, I think that would be my hope and prayer because we don't sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And it's that childlike wonder that Jesus responds to in them mm-hmm. and kind of mirrors back to them. Come and see. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. So it's the idea of being a witness in the most literal sense, either of seeing with your eyes or seeing with your heart and just telling people what you've seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that goes beautifully into my point, which is point number three, um, which is the idea of being a witness isn't a burden. Um, There's this phrase that we've all heard many, many times about bearing witness. And the idea of bearing something 
almost seems as though it's work you have to do, that it's a burden that you carry. And in this gospel in particular, what you hear is excited telling, like what Laura was saying, right? Like excited telling. Like you just ran into the coolest person that you could imagine in the entire universe and you want everybody to know. And you want everybody to know so badly that you have to, when you see them walking by, point and shout and be like, there he is, there's Jesus, there's the Lamb of God, right? And because John has this integral relationship already with the people who are following him, they believe him. His integrity and his worth is already established with them. And so instead of being like, wait a minute, maybe, it could be, instead they're like, oh, I'm going to go and check this out, right? And where are you staying? And what are you doing? And all of these things is that immediate buy-in because of the excitement with which John told right? Because he didn't have hesitation in his wish to share this excitement and this this revelation that Jesus was here and he was the Lamb of God come to take away all of our sins. Instead, he was, he was like, there he is. Mm-hmm. Like, just that excited, that excited telling makes such a difference. And it's timely for me as I consider like, well, how do I do that? Because it's not like I'm going to see Jesus walking down the street, although... We all will admit to the fact that we see Jesus many times in our lives, but the physical incarnation of Jesus walking down the street, I don't have that opportunity to point and say, there he is. Look, there he is, the Lamb of God. Go, Come and see. Instead, it seems so much more heavy, challenging to say, why don't you come to church and see? Why don't we sit with the Bible and see? And it's very hard to convey those things in as excited a manner as you would about somebody who is tangibly walking by Mm -hmm. um, that you can physically point to and say, come and see. And so it becomes important that the visible reminder of Jesus in this world is all of us. And so it's how we choose to speak and to live that becomes the, the come and see. Right, that the words that we choose, especially in times of conflict and in challenging places, the ways in which we choose to name truths and to be Jesus to each other is the come and see. It's the look there, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Um, and not only just using our words, but most importantly, how we use our actions, how we live in this world. And that can be in any variety of things. Maybe it's in interactions with people who have less than homeless and um, insecure people. Maybe it's how we care for God's creation. And also the way we sit with each other, the way we listen to each other, the way we care for each other. Those are all ways that we say, look, this is what Jesus This is what Jesus calls us to do. Come and see. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's three points. That's three points. Three points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first point was mine, and it was about continuing to uh, raise up and lift up like Jesus did the, however we understand the sins of the world, the things that are causing suffering and oppression in the world, and continuing to do that hard uh, but in necessary work uh, in our lives. Number two was Laura's, and it was about um, the kind of invitational and uh, open way of, of thinking about evangelism in our lives and, this, and kind of taking the example of John and simply continuing to point to where we're seeing Jesus as John did and as Jesus did, continuing to invite people to come and see. 
The third one was Charlotte's, and it was following from Laura's, uh, talking about um, the kind of joy of being able to bear witness, that it's not this kind of burden, but that we can do it in a whole lot of different ways, and especially in the ways that we do embody Jesus today as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, having heard those three points, uh, Charlotte's going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas. All right. That is a wrap for our Faith to Go podcast for this week of the second Sunday after Epiphany, January 19th. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to uh, email us any of your questions, mm-hmm. comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion at faith2go at edsd.org. Check out all those Way of Love Discipleship 2020 resources at discipleshipedsd.org. You can uh, also check out all those Faith to Go resources for this week, uh, www.myfaith2go.org, and you can follow us and contact us through Instagram at faith 2 go Thank you again to Laura Sheridan Campbell for being with us today. It was a pleasure. And uh, thank you all again for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. Until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. Everyone.